are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten. We got everything you need around the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. We're joined by our Thursday co-host, Isaiah Hole from Locked On Wolverines. He comes in every week, and we've made it a bit of a habit now to start kind of just going over and get general game previews in here on the Thursdays. Of course, Matt Sheehan comes in. We talk more betting angles on Fridays going into the weekends. But we'll get to all that later on in the program, Isaiah. Before we get into any actual big picture this weekend stuff, I got to say, when we started doing this at the start of the season, I was thinking, all right, we'll have Isaiah on every Thursday. I know during basketball season, we'll have plenty of Michigan stuff to talk about, but I just don't know if we're going to be able to get something from the Wolverines on the football field every single week. Like, I want to use the expertise you have, but I just didn't know if the Wolverines were going to provide. They have. Now, why is it that this team is so good? What is it that they've been doing that, again, we've talked about already for a while, but it just keeps on happening where this team looks like it's passed every test it's had so far. Well, it's a mixture of things. It's uh, the coalescence of the offensive line and the defensive line, I think is the most, the, the most obvious thing that you could point to uh, the offensive line. Wasn't bad last year, but it wasn't, it wasn't good. They weren't letting up sacks. They weren't letting up tackles for loss, but the run blocking was poor. Michigan really didn't try to run the ball because they were behind in every game. So that, that played a big part of it, but this year it's been dominant. Uh, it made, uh, it, it even took care of Wisconsin's defensive front, uh, which, I mean, they, they close on the, on gaps very quickly, but they still had success running the ball with 115 yards against the Badgers, uh, which is obviously the, the season high given up. I still expect someone to, to come in and do better, uh, especially once they, they watch the tail of the tape of what happened in the last game. But the offensive line is kind of the start of it for the offensive side. The fact that they've been able to run the ball, uh, there has really only been one half in which they haven't been able to run the ball, and that was the second half against Rutgers. Uh, but uh, otherwise, the entire season, they've, they've been really good there. Cade McNamara making good decisions. Uh, I, I still want to see a lot more from him. He's a little late. Uh, quite often he's making the right reads, but if he could, if he could get the ball out just a little bit earlier, it would bode really, really well for, uh, for, for the Michigan offense, because that there'd be a lot more completions. Uh, but he's, he's still, he's, he's being very efficient. Most of the time he has yet to throw an interception in his career. Uh, and really none of the balls he's thrown has been anywhere close to being an interception. So he, he hasn't even thrown, uh, anything that could be potentially picked whether it's a, a dangerous throw or one that gets tipped up by a, by a receiver, pretty much everything has been uh, right where it needs to be to a guy that is open. So he's making good decisions. He's doing exactly what the staff wants. The other side of the ball, you have the defense. And uh, like I mentioned, the, the defensive front, Aiden Hutchinson might be the best player in the country right now. Uh, he is playing out of his mind. He is completely unblockable. Uh, and then you, you've got other players that are really stepping up. Daxton Hill, Brad Hawkins, the safety duo have been very good. Brad Hawkins has yet to give up uh, a reception, to my knowledge. Uh, and uh, the corners have improved greatly. And Vincent Gray and Jamon Green. Uh, I can't say enough about the job that Josh Ross has done as a linebacker. He looks really good in his uh, second year, his redshirt freshman year in 2018. And then we hadn't seen it since then because he was injured in 2019. He did not have a good 2020 but he is playing uh, like a man possessed and you're, you're seeing that. And then a big reason why Rutgers was able to kind of 
be able to do its thing and offensively in the second half was because Josh Ross was out with a stinger injury. So uh, you can see that. But I think the big thing with the defense is that it's just not predictable anymore. Don Brown's scheme had gotten figured out. His play calling had gotten figured out. And uh, I've known that for a couple of years. It was really evident. Now, at least not only do you have uh, unpredictable play calling, but uh, unpredictable scheme. You never really know what what Michigan's doing compared to what it's showing. Uh, that that comes from having a guy with NFL expertise like uh, Mike McDonald, who came from the Baltimore Ravens, was the linebackers coach there, was considered the heir apparent as defensive coordinator to Wink Martindale. And uh, you're starting to see it all kind of come together. Now, that said, it's going to be a big test for the defense against Nebraska. That's uh, This is going to be the best offense that Michigan's faced by a long shot. So the defense has done really well against uh, some not so good offenses so far. Uh, still, you got to give them credit. They made Wisconsin's offensive line the thing that we generally consider the biggest strength of the Badgers every single year. Made them look beyond pedestrian. Made them look downright awful. So uh, I- I'm curious to see how this works against Nebraska, which has an offensive line that is arguably the worst in the country. So Adrian Martinez has been making plays regardless of that. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, it, it, if Michigan can contain him, uh, it should have a really big day yet again. You mentioned that defensive play calling and how that could be big this season. Earlier, I believe, in the preseason, you also mentioned at that quarterback position just now the efficiency, which has been something that's obviously been such a hard thing for Michigan to find as of late. How much is that, again, maybe not even just what he can do with the football, but the, the way that Cade McNamara is able to take care of things and just be an efficient quarterback how much is that appreciated by not just the fan base, but like coaching staff? How does it open up playbooks on offense? How has it changed how this entire side of the football is able to operate? Well, I, I would say it's appreciated greatly by the coaches, but not the fan base. The fan base wants to see a little bit more gunslinging. This was the last, the first time that Michigan really opened up the passing game. First time they even really tried, right? They didn't need to. Uh, and I, I think it went good. I wouldn't say it was exemplary per se, there were certainly some missed opportunities uh, in the first half uh, by Cade McNamara, but still uh, d- did pretty well. Uh, they're still lacking. They're worst in the country when it comes to uh, converting uh, the, the long passing downs. Uh, but, you know, they're at like a 20% clip. But again, they, Michigan hasn't really been in that situation too often, right? So uh, I, I saw that stat by ESPN, and it's, it's not like Michigan's finding itself in third and long very often. Most of the time it's third and short. Uh, so they're, they're, the, you know, you look at the, the play in the end zone. I think that was one of the few uh, against Wisconsin where they did convert, where he, uh, he escaped the pressure, swung it out to Blake Corum and Blake Corum muscled uh, for the first down uh, just past the 10 yard line. So uh, I, I, he, he can make plays. I think that's the thing we haven't necessarily seen a lot. And I think a lot of it is because that Michigan hasn't felt like it's needed to do it. You know, Michigan's not in the uh, because it is trying to be an efficient offense. It is trying to uh, control time of possession. Uh, most of the time, it's uh, it's it's not it's trying not to make mistakes. It's just trying to play sound football. They haven't really put the ball in Cade McNamara's hands too often. And and when it did, he, he did just enough to be able to be able to secure the game for the Wolverines. And, uh, you know, they, they had the flea flicker. That was a perfect pass from McNamara to Cornelius Johnson. Uh, that that shows you that what he can do. Uh, he, Cornelius Johnson's clearly his favorite target now. Uh, Roman Wilson really came on uh, this past week, and I, I'm curious to see going up against uh, against a, another stout defense in Nebraska. 
it, if Michigan can't run the ball, will will he be able to put the game on his back and and do some good things? Because so far it looks like he can, but we don't necessarily know uh, on a week to week basis if that's something that he can do, especially if a team really does load up against the run game. Uh, I still say that despite a lot of the questions that we might have, the fact that he went up against a Wisconsin defense that was ranked number two in the country at the time, they're now number three, uh, a Wisconsin team that stops the run. Uh, they were doing it every single week. And then Michigan comes in, they still ran the ball effectively. Uh, we finally got to see some play action and that's something we hadn't seen. And I've kind of felt like Michigan wasn't using it because they didn't need to. So they're going to start needing to, because this week, in, uh, in three weeks uh, going to East Lansing, two weeks later at Penn State, those are games where they're not going to be able to be one-dimensional. Uh, so far, they've been able to get away with it. So we'll see if, uh, if he really is uh, the answer at quarterback or not. Well, we'll get off Michigan at least for a minute. We'll talk more about the Wolverines matchup this weekend in the second segment here on the show. But before we do that, I did want to look ahead a little bit to a couple of weeks from now, Isaiah. It's looking like it could be if Michigan State's able to beat Indiana and then Michigan has Nebraska this week and Northwestern the week after. But if those are all wins, it's set up for an undefeated matchup between Michigan and Michigan State that could easily have the implications or similar weight to what like a Penn State-Iowa game this weekend has. I guess fill in the blank. If that all happens, and this is two undefeated teams facing off in a couple of weeks, this is the biggest Michigan-Michigan State game since when? Since 2015, you know, that that was the it, granted, it wasn't an undefeated Michigan team. Uh, but uh, I, I mean, that was uh, that was kind of the bar setter. Right. And it, it didn't set it well for Michigan with the trouble with the snap play. And Michigan had that game won and uh, and still didn't come away with a victory. And the thing about Michigan State is that's uh, that's Michigan State Super Bowl. Right. And it, for any of Spartans fans who are, who are you know, want to shake your head at that. I mean, I I. I know people who were in the Michigan State program very recently who have said those same exact things to me. So uh, Michigan sometimes doesn't take state as seriously as it should. I think given what happened last year, uh, it certainly will. It, it, they, they, th there was certainly a level of disgust. That game was kind of the beginning of the end for Don Brown, the defensive coordinator. Uh, the wheels completely fell off in a game that Michigan was supposed to win by 20-something points, and they just couldn't. So I think it would be a huge game because Michigan State has something that it still needs to prove. Uh, a lot of its so-called big wins haven't aged well. You know, and, and whereas Michigan, like Michigan's kind of been in the opposite boat. Michigan's been playing on ranked teams and uh, most of them have aged pretty well. Western Michigan is four and one. Uh, NIU is a lot better than we thought they were going to be. Washington, yeah, they just lost to Oregon State. But uh, I mean, that was a that was a walk up. Pac-12 is wide open, of course. It seems like anybody can beat anybody in the Pac-12 in any given uh, any given week. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I, I think that, you know, you look at. Northwestern is among the worst teams in the country. Michigan State went and handled them on the road. Miami, uh, clearly not what anyone thought they were going to be. I'm not taking away from Michigan State because you you can only play the games that are on your schedule. And some, unfortunately, sometimes preseason rankings uh, will inflate your sense of ego to some degree. And uh, I, I'm really concerned about the Michigan State pass defense because it has been very bad so far. But they're still finding ways to win, which is important. So I think it'll be... A, that if they can get to, to that uh, seven and zero mark, both teams, then whoever walks away victorious 
is not only going to have the bragging rights, but they're going to be not, and I won't even say in the full position uh, for the Big Ten, but say if Penn State loses to Iowa this week, then certainly then the East is going to be whoever wins that game. And then, you know, between them and their future contests against Ohio State, that can decide it. Yep, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. A lot of really good teams and a lot of really good teams who haven't played each other yet. So we're still just getting into it, including a big matchup this weekend, of course, between Iowa and Penn State. It's one of five Big Ten games we have to discuss for this weekend here with Isaiah. We'll do it here in just a minute on Locked On Big Ten. Sweatblock is the number one product on Amazon in the antiperspirant category and with good reason. The stuff just flat out works. Now, uh, you think an antiperspirant's obviously deodorants, and Sweatblock has them. They've sent some over here. I've been using it just because, I mean, everyone uses deodorant. And again, stuff really works. It feels good putting it on. It does. It's not like sticky or anything like that. I hate when that stuff's uncomfortable, and it keeps everything dry all day long. I, I don't have to think about any of that kind of stuff. If you're someone who just sweats a lot or just doesn't want to have to, again, worry about ever having to have sweaty underarms on even the hottest of days or wearing any sort of outfit, you can go over to Sweatblock, try out their deodorants, their wipes, which can help keep your underarms dry for up to a week just with one single wipe under the arms. It's really magical stuff and it works wonders. Try it out at sweatblock.com with our promo code locked on for 20% off or go on Amazon or your local CVS. That's Sweatblock, really the best stuff for your antiperspirant. Try it out. Just give it a try. Give it a switch. If you've ever had really like any problems with anything you're using now, you won't have them with Sweatblock. Back in here on Locked On Big Ten, alongside our Thursday co-host and the host of Locked On Wolverines, Isaiah Bowl, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're talking about all the games in the Big Ten this weekend. It's a bit of a light week, only five games, all in conference. Four teams have the week off. And we'll start with the biggest of them, biggest game in the country, maybe all season so far. Of course, there's a couple of games, I guess you could argue that for. But number three against number four has just as good an argument as any for it. Iowa and Penn State are are not only playing well. I've said this a couple of times over the last week on the podcast, Isaiah. They're both just playing exactly the football that they've wanted to play to start this season. As you look into things here, where do you think something might break first against two teams that have really shown nothing but strength so far? Well, I, I'm, I'm curious about the matchup between the Iowa offense and the Penn State defense because even though the, uh, the Iowa offense looked really good last week against Maryland, a lot of that was born off of short fields due to five, you know, five uh, interceptions from uh, Talia Tagovailoa. So yeah. it, it's one of those things where uh, it, if, if they're on the other side of the ball, if Penn State's offense is able to, you know, limit its mistakes, then – Iowa's going to have to potentially drive the field quite often. And uh, we haven't necessarily seen the Iowa offense be this dynamic group. It's not what we saw last year. Uh, you lose that, and the name uh, escapes me right now, but you lose the, the, the talented wide receiver, the one who uh, hurt himself doing the flipping in the end zone. Uh, that's going to that's gonna hurt, right? They still have Tyler Goodson. Spencer Petrus can, can certainly sling it, but they haven't really asked him to too much. And I think you kind of put the nail on the head. I was played kind of how it's wanted to, right? They are comfortable getting a 26, six win. You know, they, they don't feel the need to go out there and get style points the way some other teams do. But to me uh, going up, this is going to be their toughest defensive uh, battle to date. I know Iowa state was, 
uh, really good. Uh, it is really good at, on the defensive side of the ball, but I think Penn State's kind of another animal. Uh, and then also conversely, I mean, it's the same deal with Sean Clifford against the Iowa defense. I mean, two hard-nosed defenses going up against some okay offenses, but I kind of have to give the edge to Penn State because I think their offense is a little bit more dynamic. Uh, you've got all those players between Clifford and Jahan Dotson. Uh, you've got the the running back trio that they just kind of finally started to get going here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, they have not lived up to the expectations that uh, I think many, including myself, had for them. Uh, but I think that uh, if Sean Clifford can get his arm going, if they can find the soft spots in the Iowa defense, It'll be just enough, but I expect definitely a low-scoring game here. And uh, I, even though it's at Kinnick, it's not a night game. It's 3 p.m. local time kick. I think that certainly uh, helps Penn State for the sake of, yeah, you're in a raucous environment, but you don't want to have that raucous environment being Kinnick at night. So I think Penn State is going to win a close one, but really it's a big shoulder shrug. Who really, truly knows. I guess the big conversation has been like, okay, these two defenses are really good. It's going to be a matter – of which offense can do a little bit more. And, and I agree. I feel like Penn State has a little bit just kind of more options as far as like which ways it could try and figure out something against Iowa. But really on both sides, I mean, this is a matter where like if both defenses stand up and it ends up being a field goal game in the teens at the end, like that's pretty much, I think you would agree, a, a pretty pro not probable, but easily could happen scenario at the end of this game i'm guess i'm asking do you think this is something where like an offensive team can go out and win this or is it kind of more where i'm at in that this is going to be a defensive battle and it's just going to be a kind of scratch for points for four quarters i mean it is going to be what you said but at the same time you have to remember good offense always beats good defense and i'm not saying that penn state's got this high-flying offense but just with the idea that their offense is more put together. It gives me more of a feeling that Penn State can pull this out, especially, well, we, we saw Iowa's offensive explosion, like I said, come on the heels of what the defense was able to do, mixed with the fact that Maryland has one of the worst defenses in the, in the conference. So it's this is a different scenario, right? They, Iowa was able to get it done against Iowa State. Uh, certainly both teams have been battle tested. So this isn't like a, a situation where uh, they're, they're going to get up against each other and they're going to be blinded by the lights. Right. But uh, still with that uh, in, in mind, I mean, the fact that Penn state has been able to to do what it's done against Wisconsin uh, it managed to get, yeah, it was only like 20 points, but I mean, they, they were able to make big plays when they really needed it. Uh, and they were able to do the same thing against Auburn uh, that, that kind of makes me feel like, uh, you know, the good offense can beat the, the, good defense because that's just how things work as long as the execution is there you know and not to harken back to Michigan but that's kind of what we saw last week you know good offense beating good defense so uh, I think that you'll probably see a similar scenario uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets in the 20s I think that's what I predicted but I, it'd be it'll be like the low 20s because I think both both teams will find ways to move the ball certainly there's some things saved up for this game uh, but uh, again I just have way more faith in what uh what Mike Yurchich has been able to do in year one, which it's, it's kind of surprising because usually it takes offenses a little bit longer than defenses to come together when you get a new coordinator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I, again, I, I agree with what you're saying about the offensive outputs. Don't, don't forget about Tyler Goodson, though, too. Obviously really good, and this is the Big Ten. So the run game can always rear its head in really any situation. Mm -hmm. Moving on to the other games, I mean, in Michigan and Michigan State, we talked about these two teams, obviously, last segment. They're both undefeated, both against teams that I 
think in Rutgers and Nebraska, you'd think they'd be able to handle pretty easily. But being that these games are on the road, the spreads are both at less than a touchdown right now. Let's start with that Michigan game. Wolverines are only three and a half point favorites on the road against the Cornhuskers. We'll talk more about the betting stuff later tomorrow with Matt, but just to give some context, I mean, I, I don't feel like these teams are anywhere near that close to each other. Well, you have to keep in mind, Nebraska's three losses have only been by a score, right? So, it, and they're, they're up in the upper echelon and in uh, two of the three phases, when you look at the, uh, the, the offense is number 11 in the country in terms of total offense, granted a lot of those, a lot of those yards have come against uh, an FCS school in Buffalo and, uh, it, you know, obviously Northwestern. So three of the games, uh, Oklahoma, Michigan State or Illinois. So when it's faced with a formidable defense, it hasn't really been able to do much. Uh, that said, like I said earlier, I, I, I this is the first time that Michigan's defense is really going to be tested by an offense that tends to be able to move the ball. Uh then you look at the other side of the ball, their, their defense is no slouch. It's, I believe, 43 in the country. It's, it's, it's performing quite well, you know, especially you look at Oklahoma, you think about Oklahoma being able to uh, put up a lot of points and that's not what happened, right? It was a 2017 game. Uh, so I, I, I'm leery of the defense, but at the same time, Michigan just got tested against a, what I would certainly, and I think anyone would consider to be a better defense. Uh, but uh, on top of that, Nebraska special teams is an absolute disaster. It's an absolute mess. They rank pretty much in the bottom categories across all special teams metrics. And uh, it's a team that makes a lot of mistakes. They don't make mistakes in terms of penalties, but just ill-timed situations like that. I mean, Nebraska had no excuse to lose the game against Michigan State, right? And again, credit to Michigan State for finding a way to win, but Really, in a lot of ways, Nebraska gave the game away and that there was really no excuse for it. Uh, if the, you take care of the football, if you're Adrian Martinez, don't try to force something, then certainly uh, things probably aren't going to go quite the way that they did. So it, it, you have a Michigan team that's playing fundamentally sound. They don't make mistakes. They, they do everything right. I mean, the only turnover of the year so far came uh, at the very end of the game with a fourth string quarterback. Uh, just trying to tr trying to rush something, trying to force something. I mean, it happened, but I mean, when it comes to like the starters, if you have to rely on, you, you know, whether it's Cade McNamara or JJ McCarthy, no mistakes so far, and really no nowhere close to being any mistakes, save for like you know, also the sacks. Right, the only sack of the season technically is when JJ McCarthy threw a backwards pass and it didn't uh, it didn't land, and uh, it was a fumble, and 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 that's the only sack that Michigan's front has given up. So uh, I, I'm kind of with you, but at the same time, I mean, it, it is a road game. It's a night game. Uh, Michigan hasn't played at Nebraska since 2012. This is unfamiliar territory to every single person that's on the team. It's not like Wisconsin where, uh, you know, a lot of those guys remembered going to Camp Randall in 2019 or even 2017. It's a little bit different when you're going to someplace that you've never been. Uh, a little bit bigger stadium. It's certainly a great fan base. I, I'm I'm excited for it personally, as I'll be there on the sidelines. It's my first time going to Nebraska. It's the only Big Ten school I haven't been to, so yeah. it's uh, it, it, you know, it, it could certainly if Michigan gets punched in the mouth, then we'll see how it responds because it really hasn't been punched in the mouth yet this year. Well, believe it or not, we're already into October, and if you're getting ready for those winter months in Big Ten country, you got to be thinking about where your car is at. Nobody wants to be breaking down in the cold. So if you need any sort of maintenance done, upgrades you want to get done to make sure you're ready, repairs, anything really, 
just making sure that things are in tip-top shape, head over to rockauto.com and get any of the parts you need. Again, really any sort of thing you would need for your car, you can find over at the site. It's a family-owned business that cuts out that middleman of the part shop or dealership trying to not only find your part, because it can be hard if you're not on a place like Rock Auto that has everything, and also not having to deal with the upcharges that they'll give you for their service. So go over to rockauto.com, get it at the best price without having to go anywhere while knowing it's what exactly you need from the comfort of your home. There's nothing to lose by at least checking them out at rockauto.com. And if you end up using the service, be sure to let them know that we sent you. Put Locked On in their little How Did You Hear About Us box. BetOnline.ag is back and better than ever for football season. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. But with a new updated site and interface and even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be your number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Again, use our promo code LOCKEDON for a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit over at BetOnline. Go take a look at their new look and all the new things they have to offer for your betting needs. It's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Do you have similar opinions about Michigan State as far as just the week-to-week stuff, not knowing quite where they're at yet? I mean, they've got Rutgers on the road this week, and the the odds say similar stuff. It's line of five and a half right now, and I think Michigan State's more than five and a half points, or has at least played more than that better. So where are you at with that? What about Peyton Thorne, too, someone we haven't mentioned yet who, I mean, speaking of offenses who can put up points, he's been statistically arguably the best quarterback in the Big Ten this season. Peyton Thorne's been very impressive and the offense has been a huge surprise. I mean, you have him and obviously Kenneth Walker, the third, and it's, it's the lines playing so much better. Uh, That said, it's, I'm still like, I I don't, I I think I I feel a little bit better on a week to week basis of what you're going to get from Michigan state, but they've played teams a lot closer than Michigan has. Uh, If, if if we're talking comparisons, they, they certainly haven't. Yeah. they, They, they've, they've blown some teams out, but you know, it, it took a lot of offensive ingenuity to be able to take advantage of Miami, for instance. Uh, they were, uh, it, it's funny that the, we're driving back from Wisconsin, listening to the Michigan state, uh, Western Kentucky game. And, and uh, the, my, my road companion uh, was on Twitter after the game. And he's like, the, the Spartans media are posting that they won in a blowout. It wasn't a blowout, right? Yeah. It was, it was a convincing win, but, Certainly. I mean, you look at what, you know, it was a couple score game and you, you look at the the fact that yet again, another team passed all over Michigan state. I know Western Kentucky is really uh, prolific in the passing game top, top in the nation, I believe, but uh, still, I mean, between the Miami game and I know Derek King is really good, but you know, between Miami and between that and uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the other game, but there, Oh, Nebraska, it, it just, it feels like Michigan state isn't necessarily thoroughly dominating the way that I think it probably can in the same light. I'm not sure that Rutgers is as bad as it was against Ohio state. That took me by surprise. And that's kind of weird in a way, because you know, the the thought of Rutgers contending with Ohio state, I mean, Ohio state should win the way it did, but so far it's been one game in which Rutgers has not looked pretty good. 
And that was uh, against Ohio state and uh, a team that hadn't turned the ball over until the final play uh, on offense uh, against Michigan with multiple turnovers against Ohio state. That makes you think that, uh, all right, if they clean some of this stuff up, it should be a close, it could be a close game. Michigan state's not blowing teams out. Uh, for the most part, and uh, Rutgers is keeping things close. I still like Michigan State in this one, but uh, I, I think that Rutgers is probably going to look closer to how it looked like it did against Michigan than how it did against Ohio State. We'll see what ends up happening in that one. As you mentioned, Rutgers has been a team that's been a test for people, or at least it has been playing good enough to suggest it could be. On to a game that I think uh, could be a lot closer than some people might think the moment Ohio State Maryland is a matchup that again I keep talking about spreads and we, we do the betting stuff tomorrow but it's I don't know I think it's good context to give an idea of just where people are at it's at three touchdowns right now for the Buckeyes but Maryland's a team that can score points Buckeyes have shown they can give up points I mean this Ohio State team only beat Minnesota by two touchdowns to start off the season it's shown that other teams can run with it easily while still not really having a chance to win the game, but that's not what we're doing here. We're trying to lose by less than three touchdowns and Maryland, I think could easily do that. This team, I don't think is getting enough respect uh, still, just even with everything that Talia Tungvalo has done. I know last week maybe puts a bit of a damper on that mood. Well, I think the big question is, is what does Maryland do without Dante Demas? And uh, Rakeem Jarrett is obviously right, yeah. going into the season. I would have thought Rakeem Jarrett was going to be the number one receiver. But, I mean, you lose the the best receiver in the Big Ten as of right now, uh, that that's going to hurt you. But still, Talia Tagovailoa going into uh, – going into the game only had one interception and then now is is 12 to six touchdown interception ratio looks uh i mean it still doesn't look that bad right you know he's still, <laughs> right yeah that's like saying something in itself right yeah and uh the pff still has him rated as the top uh, quarterback in the in the conference and uh i'm not 100 percent sure that uh, ohio state's fixed his defensive woes because you go up against a rutgers offense that uh, it isn't exactly uh, lighting up the scoreboard and, and you look really good. You go up against a bad Akron team. I mean, those, those are the types of games that you need to kind of fix things that are broken. So maybe they did, you know, it's, uh, I'm not saying that they, they haven't because, you, you know, having those types of, uh, you know, lower conference uh, or non-conference types games, that is going to help you uh, to be able to fix your ails to, you know, just heal the things that aren't going well. Uh, this is going to be the big test, and uh, if 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 I'm Maryland, I'm I'm hoping that I can go toe for toe with them in a shootout, right? Because you've got uh, a defense that you know isn't good in in Maryland, and you've got a defense that has been suspect uh, at times throughout the year in Ohio State. So if I'm Maryland, uh, I, I I just try to get out to uh, try to start fast and try to go toe for toe with Ohio State. I think Ohio State will probably pull away in the end, but. Uh, I don't think Maryland is as bad as it showed right this last year, but I've been fooled on almost a annual basis by Maryland. It seems like every year I'm like, I I'm on the Maryland train and then they let me down and, uh, but it takes them a while to do it. So I still think Ohio state wins and I think it ends up being comfortable, but I mean, if Maryland can, can expose that defense and, uh, Iowa is the only time that they haven't really been able to, to go out there and put up points, uh, I don't think Ohio State's defense is anywhere close to Iowa's at the moment. So I, I would expect that Maryland's going to get some of it. Uh, it's uh tries. So we'll see what happens. You got no point trying to figure out whatever goes on in the Big Ten week to week. It's hardly hard to understand. And maybe no better example of that than a matchup going on in Champaign between Wisconsin and Illinois this weekend. Uh, 
Wisconsin's still a double-digit favorite, more just because of what Illinois brings to the field, not what the Badgers have shown out there. I mean, I don't have much to say about this game at all. I mean, we talked about it before yesterday with Asher. The Badgers still control their own fate in the Big Ten with one loss if Penn State uh, beats Iowa this weekend. But uh, aside from that, I, I haven't seen anything from this Wisconsin team to suggest that like that game's worth turning on, really. Uh, like, is there is there anything left for us to be keeping tabs on the Badgers until they prove us otherwise? Oh, I, absolutely, because you have to keep in mind they've had the hardest schedule in the country so far. They, you know, we, you you looked at what Iowa and Penn State did. They 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 had to play two ranked teams, and yeah, they came they came out with wins. But Wisconsin, I mean. It, it it's incredible like having to start out with penn state you got you got a one week uh, reprieve against eastern michigan and you beat them the way that you're supposed to the way that you expect wisconsin to and then you you have back to back games against notre dame and michigan it's that's a that's a hard that's a hard go of it right like i think most teams with the exception of maybe like ohio state which probably wouldn't have emerged unscathed from from that schedule or like alabama georgia like that's probably the only right, only yeah, couple yeah. teams you would look at and say they're probably going to get through that without uh, any blemishes or just maybe one i think if michigan would have had that that same type of schedule you know obviously they played wisconsin but if michigan would have opened against penn state and played notre dame a couple weeks later uh, that they certainly wouldn't be sitting where they're at right now. I mean, that's, that's a tough, tough go. So Graham Mertz appears from what he's been talking about. seems like he's probably going to play. He, I think he showed you a little something against Michigan because he made some NFL throws. Mm -hmm. he, he, he didn't make, he didn't throw an interception. He didn't make any absolute terrible decisions. Uh, I think there was one drop uh, potential interception uh, when he was in there. I can't remember if it was him or chase Wolf, uh, but uh, it, I, I think that they, you know, it's they're one in three now. And certainly you're not going to win uh, the, you're probably not going to win the big 10. You're, you're certainly not going to go to the college football playoff, but uh, getting right against Illinois this would be a big opportunity for them to start turning the things around because the, the back end of the season is certainly much more uh, workable than the, the first quarter for uh, Wisconsin. So uh, I, I think you, if you can get Graham Mertz going, get that running game going again, uh, let the defense continue to do what it's doing. And uh, it's, again, it's a tall task, but it's against a very one-dimensional Illinois team because really their entire offense now is Joshua McCray, the talented freshman, but Brandon Peters can't throw the ball. They don't seem to have any receivers that want to go out there and get it. Josh, uh, Matter Bebe is long gone at this point. Uh, so I, I, I'm really curious to see more so how Wisconsin does offensively against yet another tough defense uh, but, uh, I think that this is the type of game that Wisconsin just really needs to kind of cleanse the palate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, the schedule was really tough. I mean, I just point out it, it was more than just the, the losses that Wisconsin has also not looked great in those losses is part of the reason why people aren't loving them. And you're right. Illinois, certainly the get right game to try and get things back on track. Isaiah hole is with us every single Thursday on locked on big 10 during football season. We've started to again kind of make a habit of just doing the game previews here going into the weekend so i don't see any reason for it to stop next week isaiah we thank you as always for the expertise on all the teams and games going on in the big 10 every single weekend again remind people where they can hear the podcast and everything else that you do in between your appearances here on the show 
Now, before I do, I, I just remember the Iowa's receiver's name was Amir Smith-Marset. It just hit me like just now. That's cool. All right, um, there we go. That's a nice little bow tie <laughs> in the show. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Lockdown Wolverines. We are available on YouTube now, and we, uh, we, we have Jake Butt on every Friday to preview the games. So that's always fun. But uh, Wolverines Wire is the, is the main thing for me, wolverineswire.usatoday.com. All right, be sure to check out his writing there. Again, as he said, he's, uh, it's, it's every day, right? You got new stuff coming up up there? Well, yeah, that's yeah pretty much every single day out there on Wolverines Wire and still finds the time to join us here on every Thursday episode of Locked On Big Ten. We thank you for it as always, Isaiah, and talk to you next week. You've been listening in to Locked On Big Ten. Awesome. As always, appreciate